the History Channel original podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. On rolling hills outside the small town of Battle Creek, Michigan, a bustling complex of factory buildings sprang up in the late 19th century. The owner, C.W. Post, manufactured his popular breakfast cereal there. A doting father, he would even bring his only child, Marjorie, along with him to meetings. But how Post created this product is a story of betrayal. Post learned how to process cereal by assisting the Kellogg brothers, who ran a celebrity health resort nearby. Soon they were bitter rivals. And eventually, an even more intense rivalry would develop between the two Kellogg brothers themselves. Now, on any given morning, about 350 million people have Kellogg's products for breakfast, and consumers buy Post products more than 165 million times a year. I'm Sean Braswell. In this episode of The Food That Built America, a podcast from the History Channel and Aussie, part two of our story about the remarkable innovators behind the modern American breakfast. In the last episode, we met the brilliant but eccentric doctor, John Harvey Kellogg. Dr. Kellogg led a Spartan life. To improve his health, he abstained from alcohol, tobacco, sugar, and meat, even sex with his own wife. But few Americans were willing to go that far. It took another man to understand that there was a market for products that offered healthier living with less deprivation. Someone who had learned how to make those foods firsthand directly from Dr. Kellogg and his brother, Will, their former patient and kitchen hand, Charles C.W. Post. Post was an inventor, too. He already had several patents, but he was down on his luck and in poor health when he arrived at Dr. Kellogg's Battle Creek Sanitarium in Michigan. Rita Langdon is a dean at Long Island University. When he was growing up, he, um, as a young person, he had a lot of energy. And as time went on, um, I think that he, his, uh, he had so many ideas and he um, had some levels of stress as a result. And he was always plagued with some kind of stomach ailment. He paid for his medical treatments partly by helping out in the sanitarium kitchen. There he got a first-hand look as Will and John Harvey Kellogg developed their groundbreaking ready-to-eat food product granola. C.W. Post knew a good idea when he saw it, and so he took it, and he made it its own in terms of Post cereals, and then grew into a much larger thing after that. John Hine is the author of Fast Food Maniac. For C.W. Post to show up in a sanitarium in a wheelchair, see what the Kellogg brothers are up to, then take it back when he leaves and form his own cereal? I mean, some would call it thievery, others would call it smart American ingenuity and business. When Post left the sanitarium, he set up his own shop in a white barn near Battle Creek. Adam Richman is a television host and author of Straight Up Tasty. I think that self-belief 
is a really, really big factor among all of these men. I think a tenacious uh, pursuit of one's dreams and ideals. And I think that sometimes a bit of ruthlessness, not necessarily at the expense of others, but in terms of what you will and will not accept. Post developed his own form of granola. It was different in one key respect. It included an ingredient Dr. Kellogg would never have approved, sugar. In 1897, Post unveiled a product he called Grape Nuts. Grape Nuts, because they were using grape sugar and the sort of nuttiness of the crunchy consistency. The genius of breakfast cereal. Michael Crondall is a culinary historian and author of Sweet Invention. The marketing genius, the sales genius, is you take a product that costs virtually nothing. You take wheat, you take corn, you lightly process it by cooking it and squashing it. And then you fill a box with it. And so you spend a few pennies on the actual ingredients, a few pennies in the manufacturing of it, and then you charge an enormous amount of money for the box. This was not lost on C.W. Post, and that is his genius. Grape Nuts became a serial sensation, catapulting the Kellogg's former patient to fame and fortune. Before long, Post's old white barn expanded into a complex of factory buildings. C.W. Post was now a rich and powerful man. He tutored his little daughter Marjorie in the family business, explaining his plans to her as he expanded. Historian Rita Langdon. He adored his daughter, Marjorie Merriweather Post, and uh, he wanted to raise her like the son he never had. It didn't seem to bother Dr. Kellogg that his former assistant was now a very successful rival, at least not at first. Howard Markell is the author of The Kelloggs, The Battling Brothers of Battle Creek. Initially, uh, John Harvey Kellogg didn't pay much attention to CW Post's creations. He knew his products were better, but he had no problem with many, many, many people benefiting from his ideas. John Harvey Kellogg insisted he would never commercialize his culinary creations. It was his gift to mankind. The point of these uh, cereals or foods or whatever was to uh, create a world of better health. And he was firmly committed to that. Kellogg said, the more people there are who make such products, the more there are who are likely to use them. He thought that if he sold this product to the mass market, that would be a red flag to the medical professions. Kellogg was a brilliant showman, John Harvey Kellogg, but he was not a good salesman of products. That's clear. And he wasn't terribly interested, apparently. I mean, that was not his thing. The doctor's brother, Will, on the other hand, was desperate to get Kellogg's products onto shelves. Cereal was just the latest point of contention between the famous doctor and the hardworking younger brother he had ordered around since childhood. Will Kellogg clearly was frustrated that um, his brother really didn't want to commercialize the product. Was probably frustrated at the fact that the company was often losing money and was looking for a way out. And every time he would say to his brother, look, we're leaving money on the table, money that could help your patients, uh, could help the sanitarium, that could help us. John said, I don't want to hear anything about it. Meanwhile, Post was marketing grape nuts everywhere, and very effectively. Rita Langdon. 
C.W. Post is known as the grandfather of advertising. He was the first entrepreneur to mass market uh, his products in catalogs, in grocery stores. Just like the circulars supermarkets send out today. And Post helped to popularize other techniques food manufacturers still use. He handed out free samples in grocery stores. He even gave away coupons. His success isn't in making a product, his success is in marketing that product and marketing it as a health food. If you've visited Whole Foods, that's exactly what they're doing. It's selling a lifestyle as a brand and that's certainly what CW Post was doing. There was a story in one of the newspapers where it was claimed that if he landed on a desert island, he would basically convince them to buy coconuts with his brand on them and that he would eventually sail home on a CW Post branded sailboat, having made a fortune on this desert island. He knew how to advertise his products, and they became bigger and bigger and bigger, and later on eventually became General Foods, one of the biggest food conglomerates in the world. Post's tremendous success was not lost on one of the Kellogg brothers, Will. It was an unknown Trojan horse of letting C.W. Post help cook in the kitchen. They never realized that not only would he steal the ideas, but he would have the level of success that he did. Will Kellogg hated Charlie Post for stealing his ideas. And once somebody told Will Ke Kellogg, you know, Charlie Post calls you a dirty dog. And Will said, well, you know what a dirty dog does to a post. And unlike Will's brother, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, Post focused on making a profit, not just the betterment of humanity. When he sold a coffee substitute, he ran ads claiming coffee was as unhealthy as cocaine and could even cause blindness or divorce. But he was free to do it. He wasn't a doctor. He didn't care about the AMA or the local medical society or what have you. He didn't have a medical license. He was free to sell his product. Before long, Post wasn't the Kellogg's only competitor. You know, when you patent a food product, if you change, if you're stealing that idea and you change one uh, part of that recipe, you're not infringing on the patent. So it was very easy to recreate that recipe. Copycat cereal brands started to pop up all over the place. And by the turn of the century, by the early 1900s, there were more than 100 different cereal companies in Battle Creek competing with the Kellogg's. And the Kellogg's were really designing their products for their patients, not for the mass market. These other companies were, and that drove Will Kellogg quite mad. So Will Kellogg, the shy, unassuming brother, forever in the shadow of the flamboyant showman and celebrity doctor John Harvey Kellogg, struck back. Will Kellogg saw CW Post's success and thought, well, we were here first. We should be able to do it just as well, if not better. Not only had the Kellogg brothers developed ready-to-eat granola, they'd invented flaked cereal, cornflakes, which was even more popular with their patients. After a tragic fire destroyed the sanitarium in 1902, Will grabbed his opportunity. He approached his brother again about acquiring the rights to manufacture and sell cornflakes. This time, deep in debt from rebuilding the sanitarium, John agreed to sell. Will was free to pursue his own dream. And uh, so he said, I just sort of feel it in my bones 
that I could succeed. And so he went out on his own. He took a big risk. He was 46 years old when he started that business, and he knew he had the better product. Better because it was tastier than the version of cornflakes his brother was making. Because, like their rival CW Post, Will Kellogg added an ingredient his brother John would never permit, sugar. And he, too, knew how to sell. Will Kellogg decided, you know, there are a lot more healthy people who want a nutritious, easy-to-prepare breakfast than ill people who need an easy-to-digest breakfast. And that's where he decided to leave in 1906 and create the Battle Creek Toasted Cornflake Company. We now know it as Kellogg's. Will Kellogg took out loans and borrowed money from investors. Soon he had his first factory up and running. And just as Walt Disney uh, knew that his whole empire was built upon a mouse, Mickey Mouse, Will's Mickey Mouse was cornflakes. This was the Kellogg's cornflakes we're so familiar with today. It was a hit right from the start. The impact of ready-to-eat cold cereal, such as cornflakes, was enormous. It was a game-changer. It was the uh, iPhone of its day, <laughs> if you will. Everybody wanted some. It totally changed the way people ate breakfast. You didn't have to have uh, a mother who was already tired from her chores getting up extra early to cook a hot meal often on a wood-burning or coal-burning stove. Um, it was cheap, it was nutritious, uh, it tasted good. It just changed everything. Both Will Kellogg with his cornflakes and C.W. Post with his grape nuts were able to capitalize on this change. And it literally took the nation and later the world by storm. Because now even dad could make cereal. He just poured it out of the box. And it, was, it wasn't expensive, it was easy to prepare, it was easy to get, and uh, it stayed fresh in the box. The thing that's going on in American culture that makes it ripe to adopt cold breakfast cereals the way that it does is that the culture and work culture is changing quite significantly. Sarah Wasberg-Johnson is a culinary historian and host of the food history podcast, History Bites. There's a huge population transition from rural to urban. And people who live, who live in urban areas are starting to do more white collar and for women, pink collar work. It's clerical work, it's not hard labor. In the mid 19th to late 19th century, breakfast was very typically a very large meal. A typical breakfast could be anything from fried steak and eggs and French fried potatoes to fried cornmeal mush or peas porridge if you were on the poorer end of the spectrum. The invention of cereals made it possible for millions of busy Americans, men and women, to get out the door and get to work on time. But with the development of breakfast cereals, cold breakfast cereals, all of a sudden, making up a batch of pancakes, which seems quick in comparison to making yeast bread, all of a sudden seems like a lot more work than opening a box, dumping it in a bowl, and pouring some milk over it. Remember, a lot of these innovations came with the advent of automation as people were going places faster, needing things faster. So a box of cereal, add milk, add bowl, add spoon, you're good to go. There's your breakfast. 
And thanks to the success of Cornflakes, Will Kellogg was ready to go to war with CW Post. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Will Kellogg like C.W. Post, was a savvy businessman who understood what he was selling and how to sell it. His technique was to actually put his name on every single package so you knew it was the real deal. And even today, you'll notice that the Kellogg Company uses his signature, in a sense, on each and every package. A giant electric billboard that read, I want Kellogg's, perched above Broadway. Kellogg's placed clever print advertisements in newspapers and magazines. They suggested to women that they wink at the grocer and that be a sign to give them the Kellogg cornflakes. Not long after Kellogg's cornflakes became a sensation, C.W. Post launched his own flake cereal. He called it Elijah's Manna, soon renamed Post Toasties, and posted more than just copy another Kellogg's product. He played hardball with a key component of the manufacturing process, the rollers used to create the flakes. These rollers often got hot enough to burn the thin cereal dough, so Will hired a company to design water-cooled rollers. And then, that company signed an exclusive contract with Post, Howard Markell. Oh, Will was furious when he found out that Charlie Post had bought the rights to make rollers for Post Toasties. Five years after Kellogg's sanitarium burned to the ground, there was another fire in Battle Creek. This one destroyed Will's factory. His business was ruined. As he walked through the ashes of what was left of his factory, he stubbed his toe on a piece of metal. It was part of one of the flake rollers. Will realized that as devastating as the fire was, it gave him a loophole. And then WK came up with a great idea. He found the remnants of his rollers in the fire, and he called the, the, the Luboff brothers and said, hey, the contract says nothing about repairing rollers, right? The manufacturer agreed to repair and replace the rollers for Will Kellogg. You know, his business almost was ruined before it ever took off, and it was his ingenuity uh, that saved the day. He raised money and rebuilt his factory in just six months. Soon, Will Kellogg's factory was churning out cornflakes, 24 hours a day. He was back in competition with C.W. Post. But before long, Will had an even closer rival, his own brother, 
Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. Both John Harvey and Will Kellogg were driven men. Uh, they never stopped uh, seeking other ways to improve upon their work. And also their work became them. That was their lives. They had complementary strengths in that John Harvey Kellogg was a brilliant doctor and Will was brilliant at the business side, the management side, and you need both. But neither one could really appreciate how important the other was to his work. The popularity of Kellogg's cornflakes was not just the result of Will's business ingenuity. It built upon Dr. Kellogg's own famous name and recipes. As Will Kellogg became more successful, John resented that far more than C.W. Post's success, which is really odd and psychologically <laughs> problematic. But he didn't want his little brother to succeed, particularly with his product. And so he began to make his own Kellogg cereal. With a difference. John Harvey Kellogg produced wheat bran flakes using the Kellogg's name. Will was not pleased. It was a threat to his fledgling company because if people confused uh, his product with Dr. Kellogg's product, which didn't taste as well, he would lose customers. The dispute between the two brothers went to court. Each was fighting for the rights to use the Kellogg's name for his own cereal products. The case lasted for over a decade. It finally made its way to the Michigan State Supreme Court. And the doctor argued, I'm Dr. John Harvey Kellogg. I'm a world-renowned physician. I've treated hundreds of thousands of patients. My books are widely read. I'm the real Kellogg. And Will Kellogg, in a very quiet, understated way, uh, mentioned all the advertisements he did, the millions of dollars he spent, the tens of millions of people who read or saw his ads every year. And he said, I'm the more recognizable Kellogg. And the Michigan State Supreme Court said, you know, Mr. Kellogg, not Dr. Kellogg, Mr. Kellogg, you're right. Your brand name is Kellogg's and that's the recognizable one. And although John Harvey was arguably more famous, people associated the name with the very popular toasted cornflakes that William had developed. So William actually won the court case. Sarah Wasberg Johnson. So John Harvey could have his own cereal, but the Kellogg name had to be very small on the packaging. The court also ordered Dr. John Harvey Kellogg to pay his brother's legal fees and forfeit all the profits he had made. After decades of being mistreated and dominated by his older brother, Will had the upper hand, and their relationship barely survived it. After the uh, Supreme Court uh, decision that made Will the, uh, the owner, if you will, of the Kellogg name, the two rarely got together. And if they did, they always bickered and fought. For all C.W. Post's success, the nervous disorder and stomach issues that first brought him to the sanitarium never really went away. If anything, the stress of running a business empire made them worse. Michael Crondall. He is a man who has been plagued by illness throughout his entire life, and he's trying to find a cure. Of course, it doesn't cure him, and that's the great irony. Uh, all the money doesn't cure him. And so there is this odd sense of failure at the end of his life, because despite the money, despite this incredible success, despite his innovations in advertising and marketing, at the end, he's left with 
the same debility he had when he entered the sanatorium. Ost grew convinced he was dying from stomach cancer. He just couldn't face life with the pain that he had been suffering from the last months, if not years, and to some degree all of his life, and, you know, shoots himself. On May 19, 1914, newspaper headlines across the country announced the tragic death of C.W. Post. He left behind a personal fortune estimated at more than $20 million, the modern equivalent of more than half a billion dollars. He left half of the wealth and control of his company to his beloved daughter, Marjorie Merriweather Post. She was just 27 years old. When Marjorie um, suddenly became the sole heir to the Post serial fortune, it was at a time when women didn't vote. It was a time when women were not serving as chairman of the board. Rita Langdon. It was very unusual for a woman to be uh, so involved with um, manufacturing and uh, products and business and startups. And uh, so it was just so unusual. And she was someone um, a lot of, um, of the women of that day really did look up to. Marjorie knew firsthand the difficulties of being a wife and mother and trying to have a career. She wanted to help other women feed their families more quickly and easily than in the past. She expanded her father's company from breakfast cereal into something new, a national empire built on what today we would call convenience foods. The idea of a convenience food is very much a 20th century idea. I don't think C.W. Post ever gets there. I don't think he ever thinks of his food as convenience products. I still think he sees them as, as a food to cure whatever ails you. And it's really only his daughter who begins to see these foods as foodstuffs, as convenience foods. Marjorie grew her father's brand. Under her ownership, the company bought up other cutting-edge products, like instant coffee and frozen vegetables, and chose a new name, General Foods. Like Will Kellogg, Marjorie had a different set of skills, and her talents helped take the family brand to the next level. After the death of C.W. Post and his victory in the Michigan State Supreme Court, it was clear that Will Kellogg, not his brother John, was America's reigning serial king, Howard Markell. Will Kellogg did win by every imaginable metric. So he beat his nemesis, John Harvey Kellogg, and he outpaced C.W. Post, so that the Kellogg Cereal Company by World War II had 50% of the world's cereal market. That's saying quite a bit. But the conflict and competition took its toll on Will as well. But he was so damaged psychologically. He had such an inferiority complex uh, that he always thought of himself as John Harvey's lackey. He could never imagine himself um, as this giant mogul. And so he often thought of himself as a failure. Um, but he, he did his best and he created not only this grand food company, which exists to this day, one of the major food companies in the world. Today, Will Kellogg's company is valued at roughly $20 billion. Its arsenal of products includes iconic brands like Rice Krispies, Raisin Bran, Frosted Flakes, Pop-Tarts, and Eggo Waffles. His legacy is this giant food conglomerate that's in 180 different countries, sells in 180 different countries, that has a whole menu of foods that you would never even predict. Kellogg's became a part of American life and culture. Adam Richmond. 
I remember my father, me rest to be singing K E double L O double G Kellogg's best to you. Good morning, good morning. It's time to say good morning. It's K E double L O double G Kellogg's best to you. Now that commercial predates my life, and yet I know it cold because it was so ingrained. And I think that's really when you know you're more than just a food, when you are part of the American fabric. Dr. John Harvey Kellogg continued to focus on the sanitarium and his research on diet and digestion. Dr. Kellogg was often right, but often for the wrong reasons. For example, um, the notion of a, a grain and vegetarian diet is something that has really hit its mark today and really a good idea. Um, the idea of not smoking, or not drinking alcohol, not using too much caffeine, these are all very good ideas. And getting up off your butt and exercising. In many ways, Dr. Kellogg was ahead of his time. Both the sanitarium staff and patients were racially integrated, a rarity just decades after the Civil War. But some of Kellogg's other ideas have long since been debunked by modern medicine. He was a well-known proponent of eugenics, the extremely controversial idea of breeding human beings like animals to select for certain inherited traits. The Kellogg brothers never reconciled. They rarely even spoke. During the Great Depression, the Battle Creek Sanitarium's financial difficulties became insurmountable. Will refused to help. Dr. Kellogg's sanitarium finally closed. The doctor in his later life felt badly and actually wrote an apology letter. The letter read, it was the greatest possible misfortune that circumstances arose which led you and me in different channels and separated our interests. Your better balanced judgment has allowed you to achieve magnificent success for which generations to come will owe you gratitude. But his secretary never sent it to Will because she thought it diminished the doctor. Will didn't get this letter till about six years later. It was about five years after the doctor died, too late for any kind of detente to have occurred. And that's a pretty sad story in my view. Dr. John Harvey Kellogg died on December 14, 1943, at the age of 91. But mostly John Harvey Kellogg is a forgotten figure. A lot of concepts of better eating and wellness and preventing disease uh, were developed and talked about by him. A lot of the food products that we enjoy were invented by him. He's just not given credit for it. Eight years later, Will died, also age 91. C.W. Post's successor, Marjorie Post, became one of the richest women in America, an innovator in food manufacturing, and a great philanthropist. After her death, her Palm Beach, Florida mansion was bought by a New York businessman, Donald J. Trump. He turned Mar-a-Lago into a private club and used it as his winter residence while he was president. Together, the three rivals, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, Will Kellogg, and C.W. Post, revolutionized the way we start our day. Just as Thomas Edison's light bulb changed everything about illumination, uh, cornflakes changed the way the world eats breakfast. And just as electricity transformed manufacturing, that quick, simple, nutritious meal in a bowl helped change America from a nation of farmers to the world's biggest economy. In the next episode of The Food That Built America, 
two brothers moved to California to pursue their dreams, but it wasn't Hollywood that made them millionaires. They recognized pretty quickly that selling movie tickets wasn't making them as much money as selling food. So Dick and Mac McDonald came up with a new dream to build a very different enterprise. It starts with the hamburger. The hamburger is, is in some ways the perfect American food. Then, an unlikely partner took the brothers' drive-in hamburger restaurant to another level. Ray Kroc becomes what is, in essence, a master franchisee. With Ray Kroc's help, McDonald's became a fast food empire, and America's relationship with food would never be the same. It created the sort of comfort of anywhere I go in the United States, if I see those golden arches, I know what that sandwich is gonna taste like. This episode of the Food That Built America podcast was written and produced by Sean Braswell, Maeve McGoran, and Julia Linus Goodman. Latoya Tools, Cecily Meza Martinez, and Iorio Digiziwa also produced. Jesse Katz, Jim Pascarella, and Mary Donahue were executive producers. Sound designed by Chris Hoff. Special thanks to McKamey Lynn and Tracy Moran. The Food That Built America was originally produced by Lucky 8 TV for the History Channel. Please make sure to subscribe to The Food That Built America on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For more great history podcasts, check out History This Week from History or Flashback from Ozzy. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.